Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. saved my life over and over and over again, has cast out demons before me, around me. Thank God they were not in me, but I praise the Lord. We serve an awesome God, and somebody in this sanctuary and someone in our streaming audience needs to know that God is still alive and that God is still blessed. God is still alive. And God is still blessing. Oh, I wish we had the time to tell our stories. When I looked back and reflected on the black church in the intro into our worship, I sat there thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we would do the right thing by the church because it was the church that brought us through. And now that we have landed on solid ground, Many of us have forgotten about the Lord. But there is going to be a day and a time and a calling when all of us will show up again in the church and be thankful to praise God a little bit for all of the wonderful things our God has done. For all of the wonderful things that our God has done, we will never let this story die. The black church will never die. Because as long as we live, the spirit of the church is within us. And we will pass it on to other generations. I know they think that it's not necessary and it's not popular and it's not pretty, but I know it works. Because prayer was the only thing that got me through. Had it not been for that born the mourner's bench, I tell you the truth. The girls in our neighborhood didn't want to think about getting pregnant because they knew where they were going when the sister of the church, the mother, found out you were going before the church. 
to tell everybody what you did. Yeah. Kind of thought that was good. You didn't have any middle ground there. You know what I'm saying? There was no hiding place in the church. And as I was thinking about February being love month, friendship month, I looked and studied examples of friends in the Bible. And the story that caught my attention is the one with Jonathan and David. But before I get there, I want to read an announcement that I received. It says that we have a great crowd uh, already signed up for the wall build on February 25th at 8.15 a.m. We need seven more people for a full house. So if you want to come out, please sign up on the volunteer website. And below is a list of folks from Pleasant Grove and other churches, Carrie Parish, who have signed up. When I looked at Pleasant Grove, we have three faithful, let's see, we have Anthony Bacon, James Bacon, and we have Kemp Harris. So I want to ask, would some other friends of God get that website and kind of click in and put your name so that we can, we can approve housing and provide affordable housing in Western Way for God's people. Amen? Amen. This is not for men only. It's for women, boys and girls, cousins. You know, anybody you pick up in the family, bring them as well. But let us be authentic and true to who we say that we are. And if we are a friend of God, let's show up and let's do the task required to give somebody a home to live into. Amen? amen. Let the church say amen. amen. Somebody said it's Super Bowl Sunday. Any Eagle fans in the house? Oh, that's good. We have three Chief fans. Is that four? Somebody asked me, they said, Pastor, is it okay to gamble on the Super Bowl? And I said, it's okay to gamble if you give the Lord the Lord's cut. Because I said, my God can clean up anything. So if you took your tithe and you gambled and it comes through, I don't want you to think it's because of you. I want you to know it's a blessing and we want our cut, Brother Marlon. We better check it out. There you're right. There's going to be a big offering next week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Football Sunday. And they sang, now we have a good moment in black history, two starting quarterbacks who happen to be black in the Super Bowl. Can you imagine? It's going to be an amazing day. Anybody having a party? No, I didn't see over here. Anybody? Oh, anybody been invited to a party? Oh, that's two people. You're not going to tell me anyway. because you know. <laughs> It's a great day in American history, and it's a great day in our lives. Lord, we love you. You're so awesome. When we take inventory of our lives, oh God, and we look at ourselves, we know that we fall short. We know, dear God, that we do not always do the right thing. <laughs> Our thoughts are not always pure. Our ways are not always your ways. And Lord, there are times when the world around us seeps into us and you allow us to come to you and to truly repent and confess our sins. So we repent right now for anything that we have done or said that has not been pleasing unto you. And we ask, oh God, that you will bless our 
souls and that you will shine on our lives so that we might be a witness to others and let them know what a friend of Jesus looks like. Thank you for giving us the model. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us. And thank you for holding us close, even during hours when the world did not like us. It is in the powerful and mighty and wonderful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. 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 Maya Angelou, alone. Lying thinking last night how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone. I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. There are some millionaires with money they can't use. Their wives run around like banshees. Their children sing the blues. They've got expensive doctors to cure their hearts of stone. But nobody, nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Now, if you listen closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering and the wind is going to blow. The race of man is suffering, and I can hear the moan, because nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone. All alone. Nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. I'm so thankful to God for the friend that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that a real friend sticks closer than a brother, and true friends are supportive and reliable. There is a known saying that says blood is thicker than water. This verse says, shows that good friendships create bonds that go even deeper than blood relationships, Proverbs 18, 24. Good friends stick around. I don't know about you, but I don't have many friends. I have lots of acquaintances, but I don't have many friends. And if you take close inventory of your life and check out the scripture, I would venture to say that you don't have as many friends as you think you have. Because real friends love you at all times. Their love is not based on the attitude or the mood that they're in. Real friends love you when you're bad, love you when you're wrong, love you when you mess up. Real friends are loyal. They don't break up with you every other day. They stick with you. They're always there. And thirdly, these are the three L words that I concluded that I want to summarize when I define friends. Love is defined by God. Love is not a feeling Agape love means it's a state of being. You are always there. How many of you know your mama love you whether when she beats you up and knocks you upside the head? That doesn't mean I don't love you no more. That means that I love you enough to knock you upside the head. <laughs> Loyalty is a reflecting the character of God. Real friends don't talk about people to other people. Real friends don't make up stuff. Real friends did not leave the door open for somebody else to criticize or critique or bring somebody else down. 
loyal friends always lift you up. And they also speak a language of God. Loyal friends will look at you and say, okay, I know you messed up. I told you not to do it. You did it anyway, but it's okay. I, I, I'm here. I got you. The language of God is that when we are upset with someone, do we tell them the truth using God's language or do we put our hands on our hip and act ugly like people of the world? You see, everybody can't be our friend because everybody is not willing to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We live in a world where lying is popular. We live in a world where cheating God is on the upswing. We live in a world that my pedicure and my manicure and the way my hair looks and everything about me is more important than the kids that we're trying to feed in a school who are food insecure. And when you are a friend of God, it is impossible for you not to care about the people of God and the things that God cares about. Let the church say amen. I'm not trying to get you quiet. I just want to help you understand whether or you are a friend of God. I am a friend of God because he cares. So what? Where's the evidence? Where is the evidence of what God has done for you? And, and where is the evidence that you are truly a friend of God? And, and what the, uh, Jesus was teaching about in the book of John, Jesus was saying is that I have shared with you everything that I have. I've shared with you everything that I know. I have given blood for you and I'm going to a cross for you. And I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. And I expect you to continue on with my ministry, but not sit down making excuses for why you can't do anything anymore. If you're old, call somebody on the phone. If you don't drive anymore because you can't see, then at least you can call somebody to pray. And so what I'm saying, church, and I'm challenging all of us, is we need to pattern our lives like Jesus Christ. And the evidence that we are a friend of God ought to be evident in every word we say, everything we do, every gesture. When people critique me, they say, you're too soft on people. Well, not really. I just know what the rule of the house is. If I'm going to stand in this pulpit and I'm going to preach God's word and I'm going to be authentic, then I got to be able to forgive a few people who lie on me. I got to be able to speak to people who might not speak to me. I got to be able to say thank you anyway, even though you don't appreciate the sacrifice that I made on your behalf. You see, when we get into a role of the friend of God, the rules change. You can't be what you want to be, when you want to be it, and how you want to be it. You got to be consistent. How can you be happy and singing on the second Sunday and we don't see you again until next year? If you are a friend of God, and if you are here to usher in the spirit of God so that people will have an encounter with God, then why are you motivated to do that in the name of Jesus? Oh, the silence has come early. Let me move on. God. God is perfect. And there's nothing imperfect about God. 
And one of the things I also love about God is that God has received us with our imperfections and volunteered to give us surgery for free. When my brother-in-law had surgery, he had open-heart surgery on Thursday in Birmingham, Alabama. Lord, don't let me cry. And the Lord gave me the names of 12 people to text and to ask these 12 prayer warriors would they pray for my brother-in-law, 83 years old, open-heart surgery. They said he would be in ICU for three days. Look at God. I see you one day. Look at God in his own room on the second day. Look at God. What I'm saying, if you are a friend of mine, then you care about what I care about. If you are a friend of mine, you stop every now and then to pray for somebody that I care about. In his own room. I received pictures this morning that he was already going to physical therapy. And I go, nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you, Lord. But I'm saying, don't let the enemy believe that you have no spiritual power as a child of God and begin to walk in the authority that God has given you. I can't even get to my text yet before I tell you another miracle. One of my classmates called. You know how you get called that time and you go, God, I got 80 things to do. We went to high school together. Okay, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. I'll, I'll get to you. Okay. You walk away. The Lord says, oh, no, you need to make this call. So I said, okay, I don't have a lot. I hate to call somebody and say, look, Joel, I only got five minutes. I know you want 50, but I got five. And if you can't take the five, let's move on because that's all I have. So this, I, <laughs> my classmate told me what he wanted to talk about on Wednesday. I said, okay, we can talk at 3 o'clock on Friday. I'm skipping some of the parts. I called Dr. Lachelle. I had her text Disciple Charles. I said, I'm talking with my classmate on Friday at 3 o'clock, and I want you to join me on this call. And they said, okay, we're going to do that 3 o'clock. We get on the phone, and my classmate is telling me about his limo service that he's had for 23 years and what he's doing with his life. He's a philanthropist and he drives a philanthropist around and he takes them to places so they can give other people money. And one person that he had just dropped off, Reverend Marlin, is from Jackson, Mississippi. And this woman has over 36, $360 million, whatever that number is, I decided you're going to find her. She's going to be your relative before this story is over. And I'm saying, sharing this to you because we're on the phone, and he asked me, he said, Classroom, what are you going to do after retirement? What are you going to do after retirement? And I said, well, I want to work with dreamers, and I want to help uh, our young people understand their passion and why God created them, and it is my desire to do this, and da 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 And I went on and on and on. They said, calm down, calm down, calm down. He said, well, what about this dream academy you're telling me about? And I told him about the dream academy. He named five people in that conversation within 30 minutes who would be willing to fund and give monies to our dream account. <laughs> this is a God moment. I'm not telling you that this was about me. I'm telling you that this is about God. 
And I realize it's a perfect illustration of someone who's paying back, giving back, according to what God has given him. Some of us gather all our stuff to leave behind for people who don't want it. But it's good when we can be a friend of God and show evidence of God in our lives. And by the time I got off the phone, I was just, my head was swimming around and around and around. We've already set up the second conversation to talk about dreams. So what's happening in our text is what's happening in my life in the Dream Academy right now is that after David came out of battle camp, David said he had killed all the people he needed to kill, and he was back, and he was King David, right? And he looked around, had he made, and he said, is there anybody left? Anybody left from Saul's household? How many times have you looked around to see if there anybody left from Aunt Sue's house where you used to eat in the afternoon? Anybody left from Josephine's house who used to give you her old clothes when you didn't have anything to wear? Anybody left in that old school where Miss T taught you everything that she knew? Have you ever gone back to even offer a reading course or say, I'm here to do something in remembrance of this person? And so when David raised the question, I meant to call you, Miss Beth. I was working on that all week. I said I need to call Morant, but you know you got it, so all is well. David asked, is there anyone still left out of the house of Saul to whom I see? Showing kindness for Jonathan's sake. What my classmate was saying, classroom, is there anybody left in your neighborhood who needs to be blessed because God has blessed these other people and I can put them in your presence? Who is left in your house? who needs a blessing, and you're the one that God is calling for to pay forward because you have gotten all of your blessings from so many. So David asked the question. Many of us won't ask the question because we don't want to know the answer because when you got to be a friend of the Lord, you got to get up early in the morning. When you're going to be a friend of God, you might be up all night. When you're going to be a friend of God, you got to hear the same stories all over again. When you are a friend of God, it takes time. It takes time. And David said, are you Zeba? He said, yes. And he said, is there no one still left from the house of Saul? Now Saul was David's enemy. How many of you would go back, question the household of your enemy. Any preachers willing to say they would? How many of you will be humble enough to raise the question, is there anybody left? Think of somebody right now that you know they don't like you. And ask yourself, could you ask the question, is there anybody left? And the servant replies, yes, there's still one left from Saul's household, and he's crippled in both feet. Why would the king, who has everything, want to follow up to see if there's anyone left? Isn't that strange? When you have everything you want anyway, when you have everything you have can have in the whole world, and you are King David, why would you care about a man who is crippled in both feet? because he was wise enough to know 
that in all of his misgivings and in all of his life, David could bear testimony that God was with him when he was a traitor, with him when he was a murderer, with him when he slept with the other man's wife, with him when he killed your wife, with him when he lied and cheated. Another point, you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. And some of you need to stop telling that little story that you getting yourself together. Because if you get yourself together, you will never get there. That's not the way it works. In order for my brother-in-law to have that surgery, he had to show up in Birmingham, Alabama, and he had to see Dr. Davies, who's supposed to be the best heart surgeon in Alabama. And that's because he's been trained and skilled. So David said, come, I want you to sit at my table. Have you ever had a time when there's someone that you know, something that's right, right here, I'm at a place David said, no, I want you to come and I want you to sit at my table. I'm going to show you. I'm going to, Robert, I'm going to give you all the land that belongs to your ancestors. I, I'm going to give everything back to you so you and your families would have a place to live. Show me God in this conversation. And God is expected the same thing of us. We need to stop pretending that we are a friend of God and we never check in with God. We got to stop pretending that our hearts are in the right place. And we need to be bold enough to say, Lord, I'm crooked. I rob you. I cheat you. I don't do the right thing. But you have covered my flaws sufficiently so that the people around me think I'm better than life. But God, you know. God, you know. The Lord is not looking for hypocrites. The Lord is looking for servants who are willing to give it all up on a moment's notice to bless someone who needs to be blessed. How many of you have a good memory when it comes to your sinfulness? How many, I, don't, I don't want to read your diary. I don't want to know. Uh-uh. How many of you have a good memory? How quickly we forget. And what I'm saying is that it's impossible to be a friend of God and have an unforgiving spirit. It is impossible to be a friend of God and be narcissistic. My husband happened to ask me a few weeks ago, what did that mean? I still don't know why he asked me that, but I better check it out. Narcissistic, everything's about me. Nothing matters but me. I don't see anybody but me. I don't care about anybody but me. I don't want to hear words about anybody but me. And everything that I do is right, and everybody else is subject to being wrong. But I am narcissistic about Jesus, and I think that's okay. Because when people talk about me, I go, oh, well. When people say you ought to do this or you ought to do that, I go, oh, well. You see, once you understand the relationship between you and the Lord, it gives you a clear view, Ruth, of how to stay in that place. And I'm so glad that some of the people I thought were my friends broke up with me. I'm so glad that I have a job. I don't have time to even be foolish. 
I'm so glad. I didn't ever think when he was singing, I what? What time? I don't feel no ways tired. I'm saying on 80 hours a week, you can't gossip that much. On 80 hours a week, you cannot be in the streets that much. 80 hours a week, you don't go out to eat and you don't party all the time. But there's something precious about being able to say that Jesus is my friend. There is nothing I would give for my relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing I would give for my upbringing and for a true like missionary Baptist church. And I love the people who have poured into me. And I love the people that God placed in my life who were mean to me at the right time so my prayer life will be cultivated. I'm so glad I never learned how to curse. I'm just so glad I never learned how to dance, but Malik has me going now. I got this little bump here with Malik. Now, Malik said, don't try to sing, Pastor. You just move your feet, okay? I said, okay, Malik. And so what I'm saying that whatever it is, God will give it to you at due season and due time. All you got to do is be faithful to God. How many of you waiting on a blessing? How many of you waiting on a friend? How many of you need a friend? How many of you need to know that regardless of what I do, you're going to still love me in the end? How many of you need to know that, yes, I live in this world, but I am not of this world? Yes, I'm a murderer, but God loves me. So today, I want you to change your opinion about your relationship with the Lord. And I want you to accept the invitation that Jesus gave to the disciples. And in John, in that 14, that 15th chapter, in that 14th verse, you know what he said? You are my friends if you do whatever. Whatever. Now, what you want to do, I'm not going to sing, Pastor. I'm going to usher. I'm not going to go see the sick people because they have germs. Well, so do you. I'm not going to do this, Pastor, because I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable with it. How, it's time for you to get uncomfortable. It's time for me to be uncomfortable in a dying world. How can we put our windows up and pretend that nothing is going on? And so I'm asking you, is it your David moment when you need to look back? Had it made go down to Rockingham and look around and see somebody you can bless because what they did for you? Can you go back to Alabama? Can you go back to Mississippi? Can you go back wherever you came from? And just say, I'm here because of the grace of God. So David said, I'm going to give you more than you ever imagined. And that's what Jesus is saying. How many of you see a friend of yours in the sanctuary? Anybody got a friend in here? I see two people. Oh. Anybody got a friend in the sanctuary? Okay, I see four. Okay, now I'm up to six. Friends love forever. Friends do what's right. And Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So, on this Super Bowl Sunday, 
the Chiefs, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes. Whatever they do is going to be awesome. But isn't it about time for you to do something awesome for God? Isn't it time for you to change the atmosphere because you are a friend of God? Isn't it time for you to step it up and share the juice with somebody else? Isn't it time for you to show some love after all of the love that has been shown to you? The people who press me, press me because they love me. The people who love me tell me the truth. And the people who love me want to be sure that I understand God's word. You see, a lot of churches now, what they want to do, they want to, they want, they want to make the, the word lukewarm. This word is not lukewarm. This word is hot. It'll bite you. It'll bite you, especially when you're on the wrong side of the love story. And so what I'm telling you today is the Lord is saying, and the Bible said, you can't have two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other. So I'm saying today, if there's anything in your life, you're going to hate one and love the other. So I'm saying today, if there's anything in your life that prevents you from being a friend of Jesus and doing what you ought to do, I want you to give it up for Super Bowl Sunday and be intentional in living for Christ. Can you do that? Can you say amen? amen. Can you say it again? Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Can you say, I'm going to get up on my feet and clap my hands? Can you say, happy, Lord? Can you say, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord? Can you say, thank you, Lord? Come on, one more time. Thank you, Lord. our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519, or call us at 919-363-5198. www.pgc-carry.org Thank you again.